You are listening to Heavenly Warriors, the podcast for anyone who wants to learn the deeper supernatural truths not taught in most mainstream churches. Your hosts are best-selling author and guests on shows like The History Channel and Coast to Coast AM, Dr. Joy Jeffries Pugh, and me, a former atheist cop turned exorcist and author. This podcast is brought to you by my newest book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons, which can be found at rickbellwriting.com, R-I-C-K-B-E-L-L-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com, and by Dr. Joy Jeffrey Pugh's newest book, Beastmark, which you can find at drjoy.com, that's D-R-J-O-Y-E.com. Whether you believe in the devil and demons or not doesn't matter to them. In fact, demons prefer you don't believe, so you'll never know what's hitting you when they attack. The truth is, we have invisible enemies who want to rob us, attack our families with sickness and addictions, and cause us to struggle financially. We want to help you become a stronger and smarter heavenly warrior. Dr. Joy, my dear friend, how are you this beautiful afternoon? It's beautiful here in Texas anyway. We're just breaking into the fall from the very hot summer that we just endured. How is the weather there in Georgia? Well, for the first time last night, my heat actually came on. So we had a really dip in temperatures in South Georgia. So we've got a really what you call fall type of day that is beautiful and the sun's out but it's one of those days that when you go outside you better have a little bit of a jacket on and as the sun goes down it really starts to feel a little bit chilly enough so that if you're inside sometimes and the heat gets on that you get a little bit of a foggy window uh, so it's uh it's kind of our first real what i would call cool snap Mm-hmm. And it's try to say that in South Georgia, cool snap. South Georgia, that's a South Georgiaism, huh? It's <laughs> a, a changing of the seasons, and that ties into what we are seeing in the spiritual world right now. There's a changing of the seasons. Some things are changing, and the hub of it all is in the Middle East. As uh, as we record this, this is in uh, mid October of 2023. And uh, Israel has been attacked by Palestine, and we're in the midst of that. There are countermeasures going on, and uh, they're in, still talking about the invasion uh, and all those things. I had a very, a very close friend of mine, guy I grew up with. He's a fellow musician, and he and I speak frequently, sometimes every week. Uh, he lives in a different part of, of Texas than I do. But he called yesterday, and he usually calls about music, some, something. He, he's a full-time professional musician. He's, he's retired from a, a corporate job, real smart guy, but he uh, plays full-time now. And uh, ironically, he was at my house probably seven or eight, nine years ago now, and we were rehearsing, doing some music, and I started witnessing to him, telling him about Jesus and about the Christian thing, and he had never really been, you know, he had never heard those things. So after a couple of hours of listening in my living room, I'll never forget, 
myself and him and another friend of ours who happens to be a Christian, a musician, another dear friend, we witnessed to him and we prayed for him. It was midnight and he began to weep and he, he, he accepted Jesus. He became a Christian. Started going to church. Again, this has been five, six, seven years ago, I'm, I'm guessing. Probably longer than that because time flies. But anyway, he's a Christian. He, he began to go to a, a, a cowboy church. I don't know if you have cowboy churches there in Georgia, but we have <laughs> cowboy yes. churches here in Texas where you, you wear cowboy hats and boots. And you, you can ride up on a horse if you want and just tie your horse out front. But he started going to a cowboy church. He called me um, yesterday, yesterday, and he said, hey, uh, I have a question, but it's not about music. And he said, it's kind of off the, uh, the beaten path of what we normally talk about. But he said, I know you can help me because you know this stuff. You know this, this Bible stuff. I thought, oh, well, I'll try to help you. You know, there's a lot to know about the Bible. And he said to me, try to clarify this for me. He said, you know, I, I watch the news, only Fox News. I, I don't watch the others because... I don't believe they're, they're accurate in what they say, so I try to watch the Fox thing. And he said, you're aware of all of this that's going on with Israel being attacked. I said, I am fully aware of it. He said, can you explain to me what is the big deal about the Jewish people and about Israel and about Jerusalem? said, what is, why does everyone want to wipe them out and kill them? He said, I don't understand. It's this relatively small place about, you know, the size of New Jersey or something. But yet the whole world is focused on what's going on there. And it, it, it has always been that way. And so, Dr. Joy, I'm, I explained to him to the best of my ability, I'm going to let you, I'm asking you that question for our listeners. Can you explain, as, like you do so well in layman's terms, why is Israel important? Why isn't it just like, you know, Albuquerque or just another city or Dallas? Or Why is Israel the hub of of history and and the prophetic go ahead well some people really believe that that was god's main i guess uh place where he started um a lot of things that happened in that area and the fact that um there have even been some that believe that you know the um galgotha was just called the place of the skull that that was where, I guess, after the flood, that Noah supposedly may have brought a skull back of Cain, of, of, uh, of Adam mm. and actually put it there. So there, and, and if you look at the way that it's designed, it looks, like the, it looks like a skull. I mean, it literally looks like a carving of a skull in that area. So there's a lot of things. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was kept there. There's just a lot of things that are in that area, in that particular part of the country, that when you go back and you look in the Old Testament, when he had his chosen people and they were under the bondage of Pharaoh, that his intent was to take them into Canaan, which was considered the promised land. And that was, should be the area which they believe that has always been the chosen land for God's people. 
And so we know that when they were in bondage, that he actually parted the Red Sea and took them across the Red Sea. And then he taught the Israelites through the Ten Commandments on what the expectations were. And then when they got close enough to it, then, of course, he told them to kill every man, woman, child and their animals in that area and not to mingle or mix with anyone because he wanted them to go freely in into that promised land and you think it's very odd because there's not a lot of things there that look like growth and things of that nature but what's interesting is is that particular piece of land has produced more intelligent people and I guess more their scientists and everything have won actually more Nobel Prizes than anyone so you know you can see how that establishment of that area for what he wanted to be his pure chosen uh, was was set up. And so now you like you say, that little piece of property is no bigger than about New Jersey. And if you really think about it, it's taking on the whole entire world, but it's because it's considered God's land. And, of course, we know they built the temple there, and, uh, of course, that's where Jesus was crucified and, and died. And um, I believe that because of the studies of Ron Wyatt, who was an archaeologist, that the Ark of the Covenant was being kept there in Jeremiah's Grotto during the time that Jesus was actually crucified. And many believe that when he was on the cross, that there was this great earthquake and that the blood ran down the cross and went through that crack into the mercy seat that was there in Jeremiah's grotto. And according to Ron White and the studies that I've uh, made on his work, it seems that he was able to find that blood in that particular area on the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat and did have it taken and actually analyzed and did find out that it did not have the chromosomes of like 23 for a man it had mm -hmm. one and it had 23 for uh the mother so when we look at this all these things took place in that particular area i mean that's where the veil of the temple was rent it was a place where jesus uh lay in the tomb was resurrected there's all these things that says to the world this is god's place and unfortunately, you know, Abraham, many believe that in that area is where he took Isaiah, I mean, where he took uh, Isaac up into the mountains and he was going to sacrifice him. And then that's kind of a shadow and type of Jesus coming and God sacrificing him. So, you know, it goes back and the problems that are happening there is because Abraham and Sarah, they were both, you know, old age, a really old age, 80 and 90 years old. And when God came to Abraham, when he, he brought him out of the city of Ur, he told him, he said, I'm going to, you know, I want to establish with you a nation. And, you know, he had to have faith to be able to do that. And when he did that, these angels, who will look like humans, came to him and told him that he was going to have a son. Well, when Sarah heard that, and I don't blame her, somebody that's 80 years old, thinking, I'm, you know, I've been bearing this length of time, and we haven't had a child yet, and at 80 mm -hmm. years old, you just know that all of the possibility of mm -hmm. that happening was gone at that yeah. particular time. Nobody that, that age would have still been having uh, a cycle and things to yeah. be able to produce a child. So, you know, they she laughed. And, of course, immediately she offered Abraham her handmaiden, which was Hagar, and, of course, Hagar, from what the research shows, was uh, probably a, a Egyptian pharaoh daughter of, mm -hmm. of Egyptian heritage. And in studying that, that would have been a pagan person. Yep. And we know that all the stuff through Scripture that the chosen people 
had seeds of promise, Mm -hmm. not seeds of pleasure. So Abraham thinking, okay, it's okay, because Sarah is at this age, they took it upon themselves to quickly decide on a way to have a son. Mm -hmm. And we know that uh, Hagar delivered Ishmael. But that was a seed of pleasure. It was not what they had been told by the angels that came to them. So at that point, amazingly, Sarah and Abraham actually have a son through Sarah. She gets pregnant and she had been barren this whole Mm -hmm. time. It's a miracle. I mean, that's the thing that sometimes we forget is the miraculousness of what happens. But then because he was the seed of promise, Ishmael was not supposed to be there. That's right. And so this has set up a problem in the Middle East where Abraham is the father of our grandfather as it went down through history of those two nations. Mm-hmm. And then because the Catholic Church utilized the, the assassins, the Muslims, for their advantage to do their kind of dirty work, they indoctrinated Muhammad about all this stuff and set up a whole new kind of uh, religion yeah. of the Muslim religion. And it, and it really, now you've got the Dome of the Rock, you've got the problems with the Temple Mount. So this has just escalated the, the region beyond what it should have been. If God's children in the very beginning had listened to what they were told, do not mingle with these people. When you come into these areas, you kill every man, woman, child, and their animals. And some people think, well, that's cruel. But when you understand the seed of promise coming out of the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and that lineage from Seth that runs all the way to Jesus, you understand why pureness and why the Bible tells you somebody begat somebody begat somebody. Because it's most important that if you don't understand that lineage and understand there was never any tainted pagan worshiping of serpents inside of that lineage, then that's the only way that Jesus could actually come and be born from Mary because she was from that lineage. She was from that lineage. And and that's why scripture in Matthew and in Luke show us the different lineages, how that runs like it does, so we could see how important it was. But what started it all was the fact that God's chosen people did not do what he said do. And that's not mingle. And they, and you know, if they had just done what he said do and gone into the promised land and gone into Canaan, I think it would have been a lot less problems, Rick. But it's no different than in the Garden of Eden when he told Adam and Eve, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were like, you know, Eve. They thought, oh, well, it's, a, it's okay to eat of this fruit with this guy. He seems like he's pretty intelligent. Mm-hmm. But it set up two lineages coming out of Eden. Well, the same thing. When God's chosen people were going and they were meeting people, they looked like them, they acted like them, but Scripture says they were not of them. And so there's where the problem was. They had these feelings of trusting and whatever, and we know that mingling with the Babylonian group and those other pagans is what brought down and brought to pass what we're seeing now escalate in the Middle East and will result in what the parable says between the wheat and the tares. It's going to end up in a terrible, terrible World War III, and that is going to be the Battle of Armageddon. 
And we are headed there very fast because it says the generation who sees all these signs come to pass. All the signs come to pass. The end is coming. I, I've been telling people, you know, they keep saying, well, how, how do we know? How do we? I said, Scripture tells you that you may not know the hour or the day, but it says you will know the season. And it also says once the gospel is preached to the entire world, then the end will come. And now the gospel has been preached to the entire world. There's not a portion of our planet that has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest tools that they use to make that happen, if people don't realize it, is these mega churches and mega organizations came up with this um, little handheld thing that looked like a kind of looks like a transistor radio. It has a built-in uh, form of um, like a uh, something that was charged, a solar charger on it. Mm -hmm. And they went in and found out what was these people's dialect and their particular language. Their language. They translated the scriptures into their language. So they didn't have to have satellite. They didn't have to have a plug-in. They didn't have to have electricity, anything of that nature. All they had to do was leave this little apparatus in sunlight and then they could hear the word of God preached to them in their languages. Mm -hmm. So now every person on this continent has had some exposure to the gospel. And I think it's pretty significant that it says once that happens, it's, it's, it doesn't say maybe the end will come, will it come in a, it says then it will come, it will come. So I think we're looking, because we're that last final generation, and we're seeing all these signs converge, you can't, you can't pretend that this is not real. It's very real, and we're living it. But that area, the, that area of the planet is God's place, and that's where he's going to put his foot down when he comes back, you know, in the, in the second coming. When he comes back, when he establishes his millennial kingdom, he will touch his feet back down because that's where he went up. That's where he ascended. He says, I'm coming back. He right. told those disciples and the people that saw him go up, I am. I will come back. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back. And yeah. when he comes back, he's coming back right in that area. And that's where the millennial kingdom will be set up. Even the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, if you read into Revelation, it's going to be in that particular area. So it is very significant. And anyone who would doubt that, just look at the response around the world, all about the Jewish people and Jerusalem and Israel. Just look at that. That is evidence that there is something supernatural about it all. Other than that, People couldn't care less about a little place that size. Do whatever you want. It would be like Jamaica. Hey, have a good old time. We don't care what you do down there. But it's different. We're all focused on, on that specific area. And I told my friend it, basically what you just explained so eloquently, but I, I broke it down a little more simple. I said Abraham had two sons. One of them was legitimate. One of them was illegitimate. There has been a battle, a family feud, if you will, throughout the ages between those two sons and the peoples that those two sons uh, that spawned from them. And that is what we're seeing play out today between 
the Israelites and the Palestinians. They, they, he said, it all came from that, huh? He said, wow, that makes sense. I said, that's in its essence. That's what you're seeing. This is a supernatural. This is the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of the Lord. You were seeing these, um, these Muslim terrorists, this Hamas, these people, doing things so barbaric, the Nazis didn't even do these things. Joseph Goebbels and, and Dr. Mengele from the, the Nazis that did experiments on people, they were not this barbaric to do what Hamas did. It's not humanly possible to do that outside of demonic influence. Watch the movie Nefarious if you want to know how demonic influence works in a human being, how they take you over. You're not created as you're born to be able to behead a baby. That's not a normal thing. Something has to be so far off. It goes against your, your humanity. It's innate. It's in you. You're born with a level of humanity. That's how uh, societies that are in the jungles of New Guinea that have never been civilized, they have rules of order and laws and things they buy, abide by. The, the pygmies, the guys with the, the bones in their noses, they have certain hierarchical uh, structure to what they do, and things are forbidden because you have a every man's born with a sense of what is right and wrong. Now, you can ignore that, and you can have demonic influences in your life that drive you to behaviors that are so far out that you know the person's crazy. Dr. Joy's worked in the mental health field uh, for most of her career. She's, she and I were having the conversation that there is no medication, there is no treatment for these demonically influenced, infested, possessed, oppressed, controlled individuals. Again, watch the movie Nefarious. Look it up, rent it, spend the $2.50 or whatever on uh, Amazon Prime to rent it. Or go see it any way you can, but the movie is Nefarious, N-E-F-A-R-I-O-U-S, I think. Uh, I wasn't the greatest speller, but... I think that's what it is. Watch that, and it will tell you how these, how demonic influences can take a person over. The thing that Dr. Joy mentioned, the command was given to kill all of the animals, kill all the people, all the animals. Why would that be? Why would a just and loving God want everything killed? You mean little kitty cats, little cute little kitties? He wants them killed? Yes, because there was a vibrational quant element to everything that had been tainted. This is what we talk about on this channel so much. Vibrational. They had been contaminated. If you understand what um, uh, radioactive materials are, you, but you don't see radioactive stuff. You can walk in a laboratory where there's been a radioactive spill and everything's fine. You don't smell anything or feel anything. It's not hot, but you're contaminated. And if you don't immediately become decontaminated, you're going to blister up in a few days, and you're going to have horrible cancers, and those things, it's going to kill you. 
radiation poison. But you can't see it. It's odorless, touch, you know, colorless. You can't see it. It's the same way with these spiritual, cursed, vibrational things. This spirit world, it's invisible. You, you don't get to see it. Sometimes it pops in and out of our dimension, but mostly not. But those things have a power to them that is residual. Those things have to be destroyed. If there's something in your house that has a demonic, a satanic, a Luciferian attachment, maybe it was given to you. Now, look, some of the things we say on this program, some people think those people are nuts. They're crazy. I assure you I'm not crazy yet. I may be headed that there, but I'm not there yet. Dr. Joy's not there yet. Maybe we're on the bus headed that way. We don't know. But the things I'm telling you are, are real. They're things I've lived. It's not what I read in, you know, the National Enquirer somewhere. You can have cursed things in your house in witches. There are people that practice witchcraft, and you know some of them. You just don't know that they're witches. You know that Wiccan is the number one fastest-growing religion in America? Wiccan, not Methodists, not Baptists, not Pentecostal, not Assembly of God, Wiccan, witchcraft. You, they say that there's white magic and black magic. It's all the same. Amen. It, there, there's no difference. There's no white witch. Well, she's a good witch. No, no. A witch is a witch, and there's nothing good that they operate. They may be the nicest, sweetest people you ever want to meet, but they're like a radioactive room where there's been a spill. They're poison, and they will kill you. When I was, I was given a church to pastor, you know, God does things that are just like you and I were talking before the show, Dr. Joy. Things just are laid in your lap, and you don't ask for them. You're not looking for them. They're just laid in your lap. A pastor came to me and basically said, I want you, I'm going to plant a church for you because I need, I want you to teach deliverance and this is needed. I said, plant a church? That's going to cost a lot. He said, I control all the finances at our church and we have a lot of money through 40 years of tithing and just sitting on it, he said. And the old people in our church are not going to go for this deliverance stuff. So I... I'm going to take it on myself and have you plant a church to do this. He said, you just pick out a building. We're going to rent it for a year and pay for everything. I said, are you, are you sure? I said, I prayed about it. He goes, I'm sure. He said, you, you know about this deliverance and spiritual warfare, and there's a need. We just can't, we just can't do it at this church because it was an old congregation. Church had been there a long, long time, and they're not good with that. You know, it freaks them out, whatever. So I planted a church. He, he paid for everything. The very first night we were, it was a Wednesday night, and I think we just finished setting the chairs up and started the first service. And within five minutes, a demon-possessed man walked in off of the street. This was in a downtown inner city area in a homeless building, in a building that ha housed homeless people. This The church was in that building. This Demon-possessed young man, he was probably 22, 23 years old. He was about six foot two. He was built like a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, big guy. 
He was a Native American. He was an Indian. He walked in, and I was standing at the little pulpit we had. He came in the side door, and he stood over to my left side. He didn't sit down. He stood about two rows from the front. And he stood there, and he clenched his fists, and he started shaking, trembling. Now, five minutes into the first church service, this guy standing there, trembling, shaking, like he's growling. I stopped the service, and, and there are not but maybe six people in there, it, it, not a lot of people. I said, can I help you? And the, the guy said, I was walking down the sidewalk, and I don't know why I was drug in here. Something drugged me in here. Ugh. And I said, well, I believe you have a demon problem. Ah, yes, I do. All right, this is the first night. Okay, so go over and start praying for this guy. And he is as stiff as an oak tree. When you touch him, he's like, it's like touching an oak tree. So I prayed for him. Now, I asked some other people in the church to come. And, you know, when you're praying for someone like that in deliverance, they can swing a right hand and knock you into next Tuesday because they have supernatural strength. Amen. I, when I was a police officer, you learn these things real fast. These people have supernatural strength, and they will waylay you. You can have a little 105-pound girl in front of you, and she can knock your teeth out because they have that strength. So this is a big guy. So I went, I started to pray for him. I called for some of the people in the church to come help me. No one would come. Bless their heart. They were all scared. They were scared to come around this guy. And so I did the best I could and prayed for him. So I said all that just to say in this, in this church, that first night, there was a little lady, um, and I'll call her Kay. Kay was, had a little bun on her head like a Pentecostal, right? And she was the first one to join the church. She lived in the building. Nice lady. She was about 62, 63. Not, not old, but she, she looked older than she was. Little lady wore dresses like a Pentecostal woman, you know, long dresses with a bun on her head. So she was the most faithful member of that church. She would be the first one there, and she'd be the first one down in the prayer line to pray for people, lay hands on them. She was the last to leave every, every time. Whatever we needed, boy, she was Johnny on the spot. And, you know, I would ask her about her family and stuff. And it was always real kind of vague, which is unusual for a 60-year-old uh, you know, woman with family, with children. They love to talk about their their family, their kids, almost exclusively, they always love to. But she was always vague about it, just just odd. But she was real quiet. She didn't she didn't say much, but she was the first one praying and doing all that. So after the the year was up and some things changed, and I didn't uh, I wasn't in a position to be able to commit to another year of doing this, and some other things happened in the church. Uh, had a, an associate pastor that helped run church when I was gone because of my work. I had to be gone some weekends. He was a, 
attacked. He and his wife were actually attacked, uh, but she didn't ha- suffer serious injury. He did. Some demons began attacking him. Two smoky black figures that were tall. Literally, they had attacked him a couple of times that didn't hurt him. This one time, they attacked him in his front yard, knocked him over, and broke his leg and broke his arm on the same side. So here he is with a broken leg and broken arm, which means he had to be in a wheelchair for for two months. Couldn't use crutches because your arm's broken and your leg's broken. He finally admitted that demons attacked him in his in his yard. Now this he didn't really believe in demons, honestly. I mean, he kind of did, but he thought it was a little bit woo-woo out there. Then he started seeing them, and he thought he was losing his mind, but he wasn't because his wife had seen the same demons. She just didn't tell him because she thought he would think she was losing her mind. They confessed this and told me that. So that was one of the reasons it, it led to the uh, church ending. So after it ended, one of the other ladies, a member of the church who also lived in the building, was a real sweet lady, call her Sarah. Sarah called me one day, and she said, uh, Pastor Rick? can you come talk to me? I said, well, sure, Sarah, I'll be over there. I went to her apartment and she said, I just had the most disturbing conversation with Kay. You remember the little lady with the bun on her head, member of the church, first one to pray, the prayer warrior, Kay. She, I said, well, what's going on with her? She said, well, she's, she's gone. She left. And when she was leaving, she told me, well, I did it. I got that church shut down. She goes, that's what I set out to do. And the, um, the lady that called me over said, what do you mean, Kay? What do you mean you got it shut down? She said, that Pastor Rick, he carries an anointing for destroying the kingdom of darkness. And I had to, I was sent on assignment to get him shut down. And she said, what does that mean? And Kay looked at her and laughed and said, don't you know? I'm a witch. I'm a high-level witch. I'm a fourth-generation witch. I was sent here on assignment. We know when anointed people are starting churches. We know what's going on. We see it in the spirit. We astral project. And she was a witch sent there to summon up those demons that attacked that associate pastor and put him in the hospital. Uh, And this stuff is real. This is not made up. It's not off some movie that I saw. I lived it. I am telling you all, witchcraft and all of the things that go along with it is very real. And that's where the vibrational things come in. As I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again. God did not forbid us to sin just because he doesn't want us to have fun. The reason the Bible says God hates sin is because what sin brings to our lives. It brings that radioactive poisoning like I told you. It brings a vibrational radioactive substance to you that will kill you. When you get into sin, you are bringing vibrations. You're getting in agreement and alignment with the forces of darkness that bring vibrations into your life that are going to kill you. 
It's not that we're on here saying, don't sin, sin no more. It's that we're trying to save your life. So when you get this revelation, when this clicks with you, it will start to, to turn everything around. When you realize everything you do has a cause and effect, everything for every action, listen, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So everything you do has a reaction. Is that reaction going to further align you with the heavenly realm, the godly realm, or is it going to put you in further alignment with the demonic, the satanic, the Luciferian realm? Everything you do, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Everything has consequences. So try to get that in your mind. Don't think of sin in the, the, the way that most of the church and the world thinks of it as, well, it's just something some guy in the sky with gray hair and a gavel doesn't want us to do because he's a party pooper and doesn't want us to have fun. No, it is, it is radioactive material instruction, just like they would tell you in an emergency, do this, don't touch this. If we're attacked by a nuclear bomb, don't do this. Don't drink the water. It will kill you. It's poison. So that's where the whole of everything, the choices you are going to have to make from now on, are going to be more crucial than you've ever made in your life because every choice you make is going to put you in alignment with a force, a good force or a bad force. You are going to have to choose everything you do. The Bible says, choose this day whom you are going to serve. Bob Dylan said it in the song years ago, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And that is, those are true words. Dr. Joy, I'm going to uh, pass it back to you for your comments. Well, uh, great uh, examples of what we are trying to tell people about. I mean, I, that's the thing is that in looking at people who um, subject themselves to satanic practices, you may not realize what it's doing to you at that moment, but I can tell you at a molecular level, you are being changed. And that's one of the things that I tried to explain in Beastmark is that your body is like a tuning fork. Listen and to what she's of, saying. Tune, listen to this. Go ahead, doctor. When you're, when you're being tuned to it, and that's why Satan loves music. He always has used music in such a way that it changes your behavior. And I remember working with a man a long time ago that played with a, a couple of really big bands. And he said they would tweak their F-sharp chord. And he said, Joy, I'm here to tell you we would change up that chord that the people dancing in front of us were almost locked onto us. He said, you could see the people's eyes change. And I've always believed that sometimes if you get a particular song in your mind and you can't get it off your mind, you go to sleep, it's on your mind, you wake up, it's on your mm -hmm. mind. It's one thing to enjoy singing a song. It's another thing when you can't get the song out of your mind. And, you know, I think about Michael Jackson. And he had to be, like, brought up and taken down because I don't think he could get the beats and the song mm. out of his brain. Wow. 
And if, if you're a musician, I know I've had to practice certain musical songs to perform them like I wanted to perform them. And I would find at times that some of the music that I chose would bother me like that, where it was just, it was not that I was wanting to think about it, but it was there. So I believe that it was locking on. In some way, it was locking on to you. And Satan, we know, you know, we can go back and look at the book of Enoch, and I know that's outside of, of the Bible, but at one time it was a part of, of the Bible many, many moons ago. It, it literally told us that he was created in heaven as the praise and, you know, worshiper, the, mm-hmm. the, the sound vibration. And when you look at that everything that God created, he spoke it into existence. So everything has its vibratory response, like you said, stimulus and response. Yeah. And the more that Satan can get you tuned into him, then when he stimulates, he you're going to respond in a negative, sinful manner. And if he can lock you in that and keep you tuned to his, let's just say, radio station, then you'll get to the point, like Rick's talking about, where after a while, you're so tuned to Satan, you will never, ever hear that still, small voice that belongs to God, because you're so tuned away. And and like we know, the more that demonic presence becomes a part of your life, it is getting to the point that... Um, the people who do exorcisms and the people who do deliverance can't deliver a person because they're so far gone. And I and I really believe that we're living in the days when it talks about your conscience will be seared. And when you take this mark of the beast that I'm, I'm begging people to read my book so that you don't get locked up into this, if you ever take it, you will never be human again. It takes away your your part of what God created to commune with you. I mean, we were giving this tuning by the great conductor to literally have fellowship with us. And Satan has come in, and you can go back and even look as a musician. I know you know this, uh, Rick, that years ago, they changed the scale of music from one megahertz to another and, and changed the tuning. We know from Scripture that when King David played his uh, music for on his harp for King Saul, it says it was soothing and it healed. And we know from the scientific uh, data that the more you play a positive note, it causes things to actually grow better. And we've got, I mean, there's all kinds of science out there. I mean, you can go on the Internet if you don't believe it. Look up the effect of music on plants. Look up the effect of music on ice and on water. You will find huge numbers of scientific papers. I mean, one that I read the other day was from India that had been done. I've read the ones from China. I've read the ones from Japan. I've read the ones here in the United States. We clearly have the scientific data that shows you that what you allow something in your environment, if you're in your environment and you are listening to these things and allowing these things to be a part of your daily life, it is directly affecting you, just like a tuning fork. So the more you think about it, look at the TV programs, you will find that there's not really what you call family-oriented 
TV programs that are godlike. If you listen to the music, and I hate to say this, Rick, because I'm a musician and I love to play Christian music, but there's a lot of Christian music today that yeah. concerns me greatly because the lyrics are repetitious. And the thing trance that Scripture— like it invokes yes, a trance, trance is what it is. And it says in Scripture, do not do repetitious mutterings that's, like that. The more you repeat—I mean, when we used to, like— uh, uh, get people to go under hypnosis, you're getting sleepy, you're getting sleepy. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of keep giving them this power of suggestion to take over their bodies and literally put them under. So when you look at the music and you look at the TV, you look at the movies, everything is away from what is godly written for you to expose yourself to. And that's... I, there's no doubt in my mind. That's why Scripture tells you, put on the whole armor of God. you got to put it on from the from the helmet all the way to shod your feet. Because if you don't, if there's one little area of your body open, the vibrational frequency of that evil will try to penetrate you. And, and the intent is to draw you. Satan can't carry you into hell. You choose to follow him into hell. But what he does is he keeps offering the things that are lustful and fun. And like you say, make you, everybody's doing it. Nobody's, you know, everybody's going to do it. No, you know, I'm not going to go to hell. God loves everybody. This thought process is a way to get you to participate, then lock you in, then take you so far down into the rabbit's hole that you can't even see or hear the power of God as it exists to you. And when you choose that lifestyle, at the very end, if you, when you die, you have chosen to follow Satan straight into hell. You chose it. You can't blame anybody else. The problem is that Satan is good at distracting, making it look good. I mean, he did that in the Garden of Eden. He's doing that every day in your life. If you find yourself with an idol in your life that you cannot give up, whether it be drinking, smoking, partying, sex, whatever it is, if you can't, if you can't say, today I'm not going to eat, I can fast, today I'm only, only going to drink water, if you can't make that capability for you, right. there is an idol that Satan has placed in your life that is absolutely between you and God. Period. And that's why we have to be we have to be soldiers. We mm -hmm. have to be soldiers. A good soldier goes out with everything he needs to fight. He doesn't go running out, you know, with no armor, no helmet, no gun. Right. I mean, he literally has to have all that he needs to fight the enemy. You're so right. 100% right. If there's anything in your life that is an addiction, I've been teaching this for 10 years on these radio programs, if you have any addiction, it is an open doorway to the demonic. It is. That means it's it's like those revolving doors on the big department stores. If you've ever been in one, that it goes completely around all the time. People go in and out. It's a revolving door. If any addiction you have is an area you do not have control of your body, mind. It is controlled by something else. Could be cigarettes, could be alcohol, could be anything. You fill in the blank. Anything like Dr. Joy said, you can't go a day without. You are addicted. That addiction is holding the door open for demons in other areas. 
They may not show up today or tomorrow, but they're in there working just like termites in your house. They, you may not know your walls look great, but inside there's termites eating away the structure. And one day your wall's going to collapse and it, your house will fall in on you. But it looks good for now. The demons are, operate the same way. And about the music thing, that was a very, very good point. I make my living playing music. I have for many, many years. That means I can't make a living only playing music from my era, the 1970s and 80s. I have to play all music that people want to hear, which means I'm exposed to the new music all the time. I'm uh, a very eclectic person musically because I've had to play that all these years. The last 15 years, 10 years for sure, of music, pop music, it is no longer music. It is some kind of a beat with some sort of suggestive um, words that are often glorifying, you know, murder, uh, misogyny, anything that, that's, that's negative. And then if you get into the, the rap, some of the gangster rap, which I refuse to ever, ever play anything like that. No, no profanity ever comes from my uh, music system, ever, because I know that vibration when it goes out. Nothing. If I, I have guest singers that come up and sing with me, and if there's, I tell them, no profanity, not a word, ever. So that music is not even music. It's just sound that has a vibration that causes people to go crazy and do drive-by shootings and gang stuff. This is not a joke, folks. This is real. The reason that I lost all interest in playing in, um, in praise and worship bands in church is because of the repetition of these songs. I can't take... 72 choruses of someone repeating, I just love you, Lord. I just love you, Lord. I just love you, Lord. I just, over and over. It's hypnotic. Amen. It, it is what, Dr. Joy's a, a, a trained professional in the mental health fields. It is hypnotic. It is what a hypnotist does to you when they're swinging the little pendulum in front of you. It's hypnotic. Look it up in the textbooks. It will see. There is no place for people being hypnotized in a church service. I don't care what the outcome is, but they get in a trance-like state. Some of them fall to the floor and start convulsing and stuff, quote, unquote, under the Spirit. I'm a, a charismatic, baptized in the Holy Spirit individual. If you haven't read my book, go read it, and you'll find out. I went from being an atheist to a tongue-talking, speaking-in-tongues uh, Jesus freak. No one ever told me what that even was. These strangers just laid hands on me, and I started speaking in another language. Now, Explain that. Well, you can't explain it because it's supernatural. I was baptized like a road to Damascus experience. It's real. Tongues are real. It's a supernatural language. It's real. It is for today. It happens. It happens every day for me. And I'm not crazy. I'm not hallucinating. I don't do LSD or any of those things. So I'm telling you, 
when these people are listening to these choruses, and this is how the modern praise and worship, they'll have a slow, about 70 beats a minute. That's a... Yes, doom, yes. Doom, 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 doom. And they'll repeat these choruses literally 70, 80, 90 times over. It will be over. 20 minutes long. And I can't stand it. My spirit can't stand to sit in there. I'm not going to be hypnotized. You're either going to be hypnotized or you'll go to sleep. It's one of the two. It's going to either put you to sleep your day, your, because your mind can't comprehend that repetitive stuff. That's all part of this whole vibrational thing. But that's what the world likes. They like that, right. that music making them feel a certain way because it can. It yes. can do that. You have to be very careful what you let inside your ear gate, your eye gate and your ear gate. Guard that, like Dr. Joy is always saying, guard that because your soul, your eternal place is the most important thing. And what you do on this earth, how you respond to the stimulus that happens in your life is going to determine where you end up. Dr. Joy, I'm going to let you close. We're at the end of this segment. Well, I wanted to say one more thing. The shamanism that you see with the African witch doctors, that's what they use. They use the beat of drums dun, 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 to get their people into a frenzy. And they would usually march in a circle, round and around and around, which repetitious, round and around, to those beats. And literally, those people will go into a frenzied state. There's also that you can put a person in a in a room and do a beat. I believe it's 72 beats a minute. It'll kill them over time. Oh, my. You literally cannot deal with that constant dun 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 you just can't do mm -hmm. you can't you can't deal with it and because i play drums i understand that constant beat like that and the vibration that even puts through my body to keep it at yes. that beat dun, 72 beats a yes. minute it's a very weird and unusual feeling yeah. and so you have to be very very careful in this day and hour that even that that seems like it's good right may have a root of evil people don't you know, don't do not be fooled because something looks good and it might sound good. You've got to get into understanding what it really is about, because if it's of that tree of good and evil, that root is evil every time. Just like Rick said, whether they say a, a, a good witch practicing white magic, a bad witch practicing black magic, they are both practicing magic that's witchcraft. It's no different than the Harry Potter series. White, white magic, black magic. It all comes from one root, and it's Satan. It is evil. It is witchcraft. So we're asking you to, to guard your family. Guard your own life. Because these days in which we are living are perilous times, and we are seeing it escalate now in the Middle East as things are coming more and more together, showing us that the convergence of signs that we were told in Scripture would happen are happening right now before our eyes. Pay attention to what you let into your ears and to your eyes. It depends on you to guard your greatest asset your soul. And that's what Satan's after. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heavenly Warriors. You can find the show notes for this episode at heavenlywarriors.com. If you join our mailing list while you're there, we'll send you something free as a thank you. 
Once again, this podcast is sponsored by my newest book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons, which can be found at rickbellwriting.com, R-I-C-K-B-E-L-L-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com, and Dr. Joy Jeffrey Pugh's newest book, Beast Mark, which can be found at her website, drjoy.com. That's D-R-J-O-Y-E.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to Heavenly Warriors and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Audible. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Heavenly Warriors podcast? Please send them a link to this episode. We only grow when our listeners share the podcasts, and we really appreciate it. May God bless you. Until next time.